Thank you for joining us wherever you are. This podcast episode is brought to you by the Old Ways Actual Play team. This actual play uses the 5th edition Vampire the Masquerade tabletop role-playing rules by World of Darkness. This actual play is performed by adults and in an adult setting. Listeners should know that this podcast is intended for a mature audience and will include strong language and mature themes. All content, including names, places, events, companies, and so forth, that may bear resemblance to entities living, dead, or undead, is strictly coincidental. My name is Rena Henze, and for tonight's game, I will be your storyteller. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Old Ways Podcast's Vampire the Masquerade Chronicles Shards of San Francisco. I am your storyteller, Storyteller Rena, and tonight we are getting into the fallout of some very specific actions that happened last time that our Coterie members may or may not have decided to get into. But before we do that, I'd like to say thank you to all of our listeners and especially to all of our Patreon backers. We literally could not do any of this without you, and we appreciate all of your support. If you'd like to join our Patreon backers and get some special delights from our vampire crew as well, you can do so at patreon.com slash the old ways podcast. And now let's get on to some introductions to my right. Hi, this is Mike, and I play Marcus Voss of Clan Bruja. And next to Mike. Hi, this is John. I'll be playing Sylvester La Violette of uh, Clan Gangrel. And I've been a very good boy, and there's nothing to worry about. Yes, Sylvester never gets into any trouble whatsoever. And next to John? Hi, my name is Tegan, and I'm playing Rum the Shaman of Clan Malkavian. Indeed, everyone's favorite Malkavian. And at the end of the table? Hi, this is Ali, and I play Katerina Bogdanovich. And, well, I have a mermaid. You do. A slightly disturbing one. But hey... Mermaids are originally disturbing anyway. And next to Allie. Hello, hello. My name is Bridget and I am playing Monica West of Clan Salubri. And she is suffering on a spectrum of pain that she didn't even know existed. Yes, Monica did have a bit of an interesting uh, session, let's say. I'm sure it's fine, though. Nothing bad happened. And uh, last but never least... Hi, this is Tiffany, and I play Alex Giovanni. And I don't like waiting for people who said that they would meet me. Yes, your uh, least favorite gremlin gangrel is a little bit late. We'll see how that shakes out for him. So speaking of our favorite gremlin gangrel, Sylvester, you are standing in the park where you like to sleep with... Mm -hmm. Two very mutilated dead cops that you have tried to make it look like were killed in a satanic ritual. Mm-hmm. And you think it went great. I think I really nailed this one. Mm-hmm. It looks so satanic. Come on. I painted the, all these little upside down crosses with the blood. I mean, that's pretty good. And a pentagram, except you put four points. It's hard. On the okay. side, but you know. Max was never my strong point. You were never good at counting. And so as you stand looking at your own handiwork in approval, you heard a throat clearing behind you 
and your chief, Mariam, emerged from the shadows and is in her petite sort of form. She's about as tall as you. Is just standing there next to you, shaking her head. What did I tell you, Sylvester? And there's a pause, and it's not to break the masquerade or do anything stupid half-cocked, but in my defense, they were here when I woke up. Boss, they were they were right here when I woke up, so I figured they knew where I was. They'd been tracking me, and I couldn't... You couldn't just subdue them? Make it look like a random animal attack? Is that an arm? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, thinking as I was of my plan for... Uh, remember I told you about it, the one where I would bait some of the hunters, and he just gestures towards it. He's like, I prevent, present to you the actions of a crazed satanic killer. Now, boss, it... Slow blink. I think this is some of my best work. You don't think this is going to draw any attention to us? I mean, not to us. I mean, clearly a crazed satanist did this. We have hunters in town, Sylvester. Yeah. Yeah, we do. And the entire point was to give them a signal point. They will now focus on the park. Mariam just sort of puts one hand to her forehead in the I am surrounded by idiots sort of universal gesture. They will come here. We can't leave this, Sylvester. We are going to have to do some cleanup, and it is going to take me some time and some favors to make this go away. Fine, so you don't like my satanic panic idea. I'll clean this up the way that I know how. I'm going to take all the bits... One by one, but probably like a couple at a time because we take too long and there's a lot of bits. Boss, I'm going to put them, all the bits in the car. And then I'm going to drive the car off a pier. And then, honestly, my hope is that uh, the shark gangrel will take care of it. I can call in some favors there. She looks you up and down with the bloody heart stuck to your shirt and the blood all over your face. She looks at the car covered in blood. And how exactly do you expect to do that without being seen? Just kind of slow blinks. He's like, well, I'll be in the car when it goes into the bay. And uh, I'll make sure that the bits don't float. Salt water will do the rest. She shakes her head. She looks at the car. And then she turns back to you. And she seems bigger. Just that sort of presence radiating off her. Mm-hmm. You disobeyed a direct order, Sylvester. You put the clan in danger with hunters in town. Inshallah, it will be fine because I got here before anyone else did. But there will be consequences. Do you understand? And he just looks at the ground and kind of kicks it, but he's like, Yes, boss. I got you. I, uh, I'll take whatever comes my way after get this cleaned up. Yes, you will. And then she reaches out and she takes your right hand. And looking you in the eye, she breaks every finger. Slowly. Just a reminder. He just stands there and kind of just soaks it. And he's just like, mm-hmm. Now, we're going to clean this up. And she puts her fingers to her mouth and whistles. And Olive comes loping out of the trees and a couple other gangrel. 
You have no idea if they were listening to you getting this talking to, but... Oh, they absolutely heard everything. It's a bit You're embarrassing. You're going to gossip about it, too. Oh, yes. You're going to take a massive social hit. Not that you care too much, but within the clan, still, it's a problem. And between them, they start clearing up the blood, the bits, everything else. Olive climbs into the driver's seat of the car. She looks at you and she just shakes her head slowly and says, You little motherfucker. And she starts driving the car away. And Mariam looks at you and says, go get cleaned up. Just takes off his shirt and throws it, like, stows it into a sewer storm drain. He's just like, fucking bullshit. What was that? Nothing. Gotta go dig up a fucking hole with one hand. Well, you should have thought of that before you fucking disobeyed me. Just lopes off into the woods, just buck-ass naked except for his boots. Thankfully, there's no humans in the park at the moment. I mean, I feel like a naked guy in the woods in San Francisco is probably not that unusual. I think that's like the least weird thing I've done today. (laughs) It it is the least weird thing. But you lope off into the woods, going to go try and find a change of clothes. And then you remember you had to be somewhere tonight until you got distracted by the prospect of hunting. Oh boy, I've got to backtrack and get my little brick phone, turn it back on. Sylvie is looking at you judgmentally. I don't know if, if this one likes pigeon. Plus, Miriam broke my writing hand, so there's that. She gives you the kind of look that from a pigeon can only be, you deserved it. <sighs> She's biased. Yeah, I'm going to send a message to the contact number Alex gave me and just say... Run in with hunters. Apologies for delay. So Alex, seated in Elysium after your discussions with Dawn and everything else you've done this evening, you get a message from Sylvester, finally, about an hour after he was supposed to show up. I will message him back. Uh, Will you be gracing me with your presence this evening at all? That's the plan. Need to get new pants. Do you? Okay, I will see you soon. <laughs> Just like fucking wandering around the wo- woods looking for a pair, of tr- a spare, like, go bag that he's buried somewhere here. But like a squirrel, he's buried a lot of them in San Francisco over the past couple of years. It's also a bit hard to dig with one hand. That's why I was annoyed. Even though you, you know, heal pretty quickly compared to humans, it's not an instant heal kind of thing. You're going to need to eat later to affect it properly, and it does hurt. She definitely made her message clear. Bone marrow rubbing against outer bone really, really fucking hurts. And uh, especially when it's your hand that you use for everything. (sighs) So I just put the phone in my armpit and I walk off into the woods looking for my clothes. So Sylvester goes off looking for his clothes, leaving Alex waiting for him at Elysium. Monica, you wake up fairly close to the end of the night, which is surprising for you. Surprising in that you wake up at the end and not at the beginning, but not surprising that it took you so long. 
It's actually pretty surprising she woke up at all. Yes, it, it is a bit surprising. Chase is seated next to you on this mattress. He looks tired. He's, his eyes sort of flutter open at the same time yours do. There's dark circles under his eyes, including the third eye. He looks a bit drained. And Annalise is curled up on the mattress across from you, holding Annika the doll, clutching it to her chest, and she appears to still be asleep. Bridget hates her right now. Monica thinks that's adorable. Monica can't help but to nudge Chase on the shoulder and point over towards her and kind of give him this smile that's like it was totally worth it. But before she can get through that entire action, she's probably wincing in pain or like doubling over to herself, trying to reconcile where this harm is coming from. Are you hungry? I'm going to order food. Famished. And she is going to crawl, topple, crawl, topple, worm her way to her purse where she can pull out her phone. And she's just going to send out a, um, a simple message to like all of the ghouls that are on one text thread that just says, three-piece, urgent, original Makai Gardens, please. Three-piece and a biscuit? Yeah. <laughs> urgent, please, now. So you get some very enthusiastic thumbs up responses almost immediately and as you finish sending the text you just you feel this weight on you that you didn't have before it's not just how tired you are it's not just knowing you'll be going back to sleep within a couple hours to try and sleep off what is essentially a hangover mm. it's just everything seems heavier and Chase helps you stand up and he puts both hands on your shoulders and he looks deep into your third eye and he says, never fucking again. All three of her eyes are going to look down and she's just going to nod. I know. He looks back over at Annalise and you can see just that kind of strange mix of anger but also empathy on his face that you saw during the ritual and he shakes his head and says I don't want to be around that child for a while she's your responsibility I know that too good I don't I don't know how I'm ever going to make this up to you thank you you have a few centuries to try and she's just going to drop her head uh, into his shoulder, uh, hug him, and uh, start moving over. Oh, no, she's sleeping, sleeping. Monica wouldn't wake her up. Are you going to stay for food? Yes. And then I have other things to attend to. Don't you ever bring a fucking Tremere child into my home again. Our home. He corrects himself. I think she's going to not. She 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 has no currency to spend here. She knows that she hyperextended him. She knows that she almost got herself killed and she understands the ramifications of what she's done. So she doesn't, as much as he wants to admonish, all she's going to do in this particular moment is take it because she knows she deserves it. His shoulders relax a little bit and then he puts a hand under your chin and lifts it up so that you're looking at him. You can't look away. And he says, 
Maybe next time you'll listen to me when I tell you something is too much for you. She nods. I know what's best for you. Don't forget that. I'm sorry. Not yet you're not. And she is going to bite her bottom lip and look back down if she can. He turns away and walks out the door back into the main part of Mackay Gardens, just as the bell rings and you hear the chattering of three of your favorite ghouls coming in the door. Well, good. At least somebody's bringing some positive energy. Shit. (laughs) Someone has to. At least the ghouls are on call. Thank goodness. Positivity on demand. Uh, Yeah, she's going to hold herself against a wall and just kind of walk her way to the door where she can meet one of them. And this isn't going to be a graceful, fun moment for anybody because she's going to have to pounce them. She's borderline starving right now. So you feed... And I'm going to require a willpower roll. That's not what I needed right now, Rena. You don't think I know that? I don't need this right now. Okay. But you are very hungry. You did just put a lot into a ritual. And you are overwhelmed. Okay, so you got one success, which is good. (laughs) But that was a close one. That was a very close one. So you're not going to frenzy or anything, but you do find yourself feeding deeper than usual. And your ghoul that you're feeding from starts to get really woozy and swaying back and forth before you realize, oh, shit, wait, if I don't stop, they might actually pass out. Yeah. I think that's going to be one of those abrupt moments where as she's feeding, she wants to stop, but she can't stop. Then she she doesn't want to stop, but she needs to stop. And by the time she's pushing this ghoul just almost violently away from her, she's swearing in German. And the ghoul kind of looks at you and says, I didn't know you spoke German. Yeah, I didn't know I spoke German either. Um, Leave. Just leave. I don't want to hurt you, and I just need you to leave. Okay. I need some Gatorade. And they just sort of start wobbling out the door as Annalise wakes up and stretches and yawns like a small child waking up. And she looks around and goes, I'm hungry. And I think we'll leave the three of you there with the two ghouls for the moment. Marcus, you've had uh, Jean working on some research into Mm -hmm. a particular pastor. That's correct. She brings you an MP3 player loaded with files of podcast episodes. And she says, oh, we're not supposed to use Spotify or anything. So I just had one of, my, one of the ghouls go down to the internet cafe across the street and download things. What is this, a Zune? It's what I got, Marcus. Fine. Uh- it would be easier if we could use the internet, but we can't because da, 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 da. I know. So we take what we can get. You're lucky we still had this. I'm lucky. Well, I'm not sure listening to any of this bullshit would count as lucky, but... Okay, so what's this douchebag have to say? He very definitely knows things. Yeah? It's not just... You know how... False flag operations, sometimes the the Ventru in particular would plant little notions in some politicians and preachers about the about bad people that they need to get rid of, that kind of thing. 
Mm-hmm. He doesn't think we're people. He knows what we are. You listen to the language he uses, the Bible passages he picks out, talking about the children of Satan walking in the dark, the sin of Cain in particular. (laughs) Mallet told him shit or implanted it in his brain. I don't know, but he knows. Well, we all are well aware that uh, Clan Venture does have some very significant mental faculties Mm. at their blood command. So it's possible he's had a few chats with Fred and maybe conditioned a few things into him. She pulls out two pictures. Look like blog pictures or posts. They've been cropped, but you can still see some of the text off to the side. There's more. This is Fred before January. She taps a picture of him. He's this tall lanky man in a suit with a very fake smile and red tie and very gelled hair. And then she taps a picture. This is him from a sermon he gave three nights ago. And it's the same man, but he looks bigger somehow, more presence. He also looks a bit younger. I think he's a ghoul. Now that he's been cut off, eventually it'll wear off of him, but he's got something there, which is going to make him a little more difficult than the average human that we've had to deal with. But there's a definite difference there. He's schooled by an elder too, so. Mm-hmm. That's, and uh, that's what worries me. It's okay. We'll just deal with him like we deal with the last one. We'll cut his fucking head off. But. Things are going to have to be a little different this time. Fred's a public figure. Mm-hmm. As powerful as Mallet was, he wasn't a public figure. If we uh, start go going around assassinating public figures, things are going to get worse. Uh, we also have another facet of this to be concerned about, and that is, do the current crop of Venture understand what's been done to Fred, and are they pre- prepared to continue to weaponize it against non-Camarilla kindred? She passes you a fairly grainy photo. I got this from M, the Nosferatu. Mm-hmm. And it looks like a surveillance camera from maybe a bank. But there is the unmistakable gangly crop jeans and sweatshirt form of Curtis standing outside the church. When was this taken? Last night. Fantastic. Excellent work by our Nosferatu um, contacts. I won't call them friends because that's not the way things work. No, but it's great having them back in town. It is, but we need to remember that they, much like any other information broker, are not our friends. They're there for a specific purpose, and they serve their own needs 100% of the time. Yes. But we have an understanding, at least Em and I do. I don't know about their friends, but Em and I have hold, let's say. Good. All right. So this information has to be weaponized at the proper time in the proper spaces. The elders, those that still survive here in San Francisco, especially amongst some of the other clans that have joined up with the union, are going to have to understand that not only... Are the venture unwilling to even play civil 
they are utilizing human hunters against other kindred. And that crosses a line. They're breaching the masquerade. Correct. From what I gathered, it's not all of them. I've heard rumors of some fracturing in the clan. Not all of them like Curtis. Not all of them wanted him to be elevated. But I haven't had a chance to talk to anyone yet. I've been too busy keeping an eye on this motherfucker. And she taps the picture of Fred. Yeah. Okay. This is good work. Thanks. M said they'll suppress this, keep it to themselves and us. Uh, they're just going to be moving around in the sewer system around here. So I told them we wouldn't notice anything. Yeah, that uh, that tracks with some of the previous movements I've seen the clan use uh, here in the city. They have a, uh, a special affinity for the port and wharf districts because... It allows them free access to the bay and fish feeding and other kinds of feeding. We might want to reach out to Miriam at the very least so that she can inform the the gangrel that use the bay pretty exclusively that they need to be mindful of the space and let all of Cain's children feed. And not go, uh, well, we call it roaming. Right. She laughs. Rami. Oh, I could have so many different connotations. Yes, that's the fun of it. Mm. But I'll make sure we let Miriam know. She's taking some notes on her pad. I'll let Mariam know that we need to keep things cle- clear for Em and their friends. As far as I can tell, there's only four of them in town, but you know, that's quite a lot of fish. Mm. Yes. Um, and we need to play this a couple of different ways. So my guess is with us having to play this fairly quiet with Fred, we could play it in a little bit more open of a context when need, when it comes to the venture. Um, they're, they're patently breaking the agreed upon rules of their own sect. And mm-hmm. they're doing so in the hopes of squashing the union, which in some cases, I could see the White Tower allowing, but uh, they're they're pretty they're pretty staunch on good old rule number one. At least there's one thing we can agree on. And she smiles a little bit and says, uh, "I don't know if you know Jubin, one of our kids at the party house. He says he has an inkling to uh, get some religion." Okay, that's fair. Uh, he needs to be aware that he's going to be walking into a veritable lion's den, especially if Fred is burning both candles at the end by both being a ghoul and working with hunters. Because once he comes unraveled, which will happen, and he seeks blood, those hunters will kill him anyway. We know, but he's very keen. We've all been through situations with hunters, Marcus, the whole house. That's why we stick so tightly together. Mm. And we want to stop it. And Jubin feels that he can use his skills in a more personal way. But only if you allow it. Because we don't want to 
cause any potential issues. That's why I'm bringing it up. Well, I appreciate their um, perspective on not wanting to upset any potential apple carts we have uh, with Fred. Uh, I'm fine with uh, Chubin doing reconnaissance or light social work around members of the church, but Pastor Fred is dead and he's mine. Oh, we wouldn't dream of it. He's targeting you personally. We know how that goes. There's an old saying. Most people test the strength of Clan Bruja once. Well, I will keep you appraised. Wonderful. I'm going to stop down to Elysium at some point. I need to speak with a few people with the uh, ramifications going on. Elysium's been hopping ever since the night with the... You and Sir Roger declaring a union, and Sebastian's quite happy about it, so I'm sure he'll be happy to see you. He certainly likes it better than the time of the cursed blood. Yes, well, I hope we all get past that at some point. It's not over yet. I know. She shakes her head. Well, I've got work to do. I need to go keep an eye on tonight's security camera. Let me know if you need anything. You got it. She does that sort of two-fingered uh, tap to the head and salute. And she ambles off. I go get dressed in uh, a regular old evening Marcus wear. Probably something fairly street level. Nothing flashy. And uh, I'll let Katarina know that I'm going to go to Elysium to do some politicking. So, Katarina, you have been... Fairly busy tonight between working things at the clinic and then uh, making sure Sophie is behaving. Yeah, we're going to continue that streak. Yes, I, I would assume so. Sophie is f- almost at the point of a full bonding to you. You know, it'll probably take one more feeding, perhaps on a- the next night. But she is slowly losing her mind. She's babbling something in French, and since you don't speak French, you don't quite know what she's saying, but it's not the invective she usually spews at you. As uh, Marcus comes in to tell you he's going to Elysium. Understood. Have a good time. I will. Don't have too much fun here. Oh, but Marcus, that is no fun. Do I have to behave? I sort of change my body position and I create a V so that way, you know, the mermaid in the room can maybe hear us a little uh, less. And I say, how how far are you actually planning on taking this? Oh, she's mine forever. No, I understand, but she's immortal and she's only going to put up with it mentally for so long. Yes, that's the point. I'm going to break her. Back and sort of um, from now a little bit and say, she looks pretty well broken. Mm, Not yet. I guess we'll see. Have a good time at Elysium. I will. Uh, I will uh, lean in and give her a kiss and then leave. So Marcus leaves for Elysium and Katerina, you get a text on your Nokia phone and uh, it's from Jane 
We're having a bit of a problem with one of the patients. I know you just left a little bit ago, but do you think you could come back? And I'll just stare at that text message because there's a particular issue, right? I haven't really left Sophie alone. Like since I started this whole process, her alone time has basically been pretty minimal. She's still babbling in French. Yeah, that's probably fine. I'm going to I'm going to chain her to the chair just to be safe. I'm going to close the office door and I'm going to uh hastily <laughs> write just a, a sign that says do not disturb so nobody goes in there. And I will ask one of the many people who is willing to drive me to take me to the clinic and while I'm in the car I'll just text Jane that I'm on my way. By the time you finish typing out the text to Jane, you're pretty much there. So you get off at the clinic and you move through the front. It's quiet, even though it's a 24 hour clinic, there's no one in this evening, which is a good thing. But, you know, Chad waves at you from the front desk with his big himbo smile and you move on to the back part of the clinic and through the once you go through the sound dampening doors, you hear the screaming and Jane is standing there shaking her head, hands on her hips. She's wearing scrubs this evening, which you've never seen her in before. Her hair is pulled back. She's wearing a hairnet. One of your patients just started screaming and thrashing and babbling something in Russian. I don't speak Russian. Do you speak Russian? Not fluently. I don't know anyone else who does. Vlad speaks Polish. And they're fairly close, but there's still a lot of mix-ups in there. Yes, and I have a conversational version, but it's not perfect translation at this point. It's been a very long time since I was in Russia. Well, maybe you can pick out some words or something, but it was creepy they they were just laying there passed out with the ivs you know normal procedure around here and then they just started thrashing and screaming it did we try sedation yes it didn't work Understood. and she narrows her eyes and says i'm on the verge of ripping out some vocal cords personally don't like the noise give me a few minutes and if things do not work well I will leave you to your own devices mm. alright just weird glad we don't have the Tremere kid around anymore I think it was him meddling but uh go on in she points you to room 408 and I'll walk in there's three beds lined up in here two of them have normal unconscious humans with blood bags attached and IVs and all those things. They're quiet, they're peaceful, but the bed in the middle is a young person with a shaved head and their eyes are closed. They're very thin, emaciated, and they're thrashing around and screaming in a fevered sweat with their eyes closed. It looks like Jane's restrained them to the bed so that they don't pull the needles out, but they are in immense agitation. I will 
approach and I will tap my fingers along their arm to see if I can't get them to open their eyes. So you tap fingers. They keep screaming and pulling. You can feel their veins pulsing under your fingers. And as you keep tapping, you hear muttering amongst the screaming, just these words that you can pick out. They're not full sentences, so it's not that you needed a full-on translation here. It's just words. And you hear eyes. You hear cold. You think you hear the phrase in the dark. And you hear burning. And it's just these few words and that one phrase scattered throughout the screams. Does he ever open his eyes? After a few moments of you just sort of tapping and pushing a little bit, the eyes flash open and they're wide and they don't appear to be seeing you. I'll grab his head and move it so that he's looking at me and see if I can't use awe to just kind of get him into a space where I can quiet him down a little bit. If you want him to notice you, you're going to have to remove the IV with the sedative to let him kind of wake up because he doesn't appear to be seeing anything. It's just a, a reflex that his eyes opened. Uh, that's fine. Okay. If the sedative's not working anyway, might as well remove it. So you remove the sedative, give it a moment, tap his face, and the eyes flutter. And he's still screaming, but as you turn on your awe, the screams get quieter, the eyes get wider and the screams get quieter, and then you just start shaking. Almost like going into withdrawal, those kinds of con shaking convulsions. But you know that all of your patients are clean. That's the difference with this clinic, right? Is you're not taking in addicts. These patients are clean, but he's shaking as if he's coming off of something. And you just hear him muttering, the eyes, the dark, the eyes, the dark, in Russian over and over. And I'll try in English first. What eyes? Cold. So cold. In the dark. She looks at you and you cannot look away. Can you describe her for me? So cold. It hurt. It hurt. What hurt? The look. Like seeing everything. And he starts shaking again. Cold like iron. Do you know if she is waiting for something? There was fire. She was in fire. And where were you? Under tree. Across street. I saw... She come out of fire, and the eyes were so cold. And what tree were you under? This in park. Had nowhere to go, I saw. And they say I did not see, but I saw. And his eyes are fluttering again as if he's starting to fall back into some kind of unconsciousness. And you see his eyes starting to roll back in his head. And I'll look at Jane 
least he's not fucking screaming anymore. Go ahead and put the IV back in. Let's see if we can't get him to stay quiet. She puts the IV back in. She's muttering to herself. Did not sign up for this. Does it knock him out? It does. He goes completely quiet now. So what the fuck was that? He saw someone that did not want to be seen, but he remembers her. Well, it wasn't me, I can tell you that. Well, I got a general location of where he was, and I will probably look around tomorrow night. It's too late now. Going to have to sleep at some point, sooner rather than later. Yeah, you should go rest. I've got a one more consultation I need to finish up tonight, and then I'll be wrapping up back here before we get the day shift in. But that was weird. Yes. Let me know if you need one of the boys to help you out with your looking around tomorrow. I'm going to be busy pretty much all night, but I can spare one of them. Understood. I will let you know if I end up taking one of them, just so you know that they are with me. I trust you won't get him into too much trouble. And she smiles and takes off the hairnet and everything and tramps across the hall. You hear her talking to someone as she closes the door. I will quickly um, leave the clinic and get back into the car and have them take me back to the Haven so that I can track down a map of the city and figure out exactly where this park is. All right, so we'll leave you going back to do some digging so that tomorrow night you can figure out what was going on. Rom, the shaman. Why, yes. What is Rom up to this end of the evening? He had uh, some interesting discussions with his ghouls. Everything has gone kind of to ground, so to speak. What does he do? With the rest of this evening? Mm Mm-hmm. You've still got Katzper with you on the boat. You did have that conversation with uh, Marcus about uh, siring someone at some point. Should I just get like a large, like a, should I just get like a glass of wine and just sire Casper <laughs> right now? I thought no. I had to fill out paperwork or forms. I don't know. What what does Rom want to do? Rom's got a lot of, a lot of, uh, Pins in the air. Rom does have a lot of pins in the air. No, mm-hmm. Rom's trying to figure out um, how this new political system is supposed to work and operate in San Francisco and what his role in it is. He's trying to figure out how to move forward with his personal goals namely as you said making another one of him so rom's got a lot on his mind between everything going on with the hunters in town which makes him understandably anxious all the ghouls he has to feed which makes him tired and hungry all the time and when does he sire a child does he kind of technically have permission does he not need permission anymore and is this utopian in your mind, 
dream of a, a vampire union in San Francisco actually going to work. It's just, it's been a very confusing couple of weeks for Rom. I mean, it gives Rom anxiety because he's like, I don't know where we stand. I don't know what the right process is to do. And Rom likes process. Rom absolutely desires process. But now it's his clan whip who's his clan whip again so there's that power dynamic that's back and there's marcus on the council and some other third person that doesn't matter to rom at all even though she's the one keeping the shark gangrel in line so you can go around in your boat without worrying about being circled by tiger sharks and one other person that matters to Rom greatly and is very dear and close in their heart at all times. That's what I thought. Look, we've run the people to ground. We've cleared out the boat. Mm-hmm. You did have a nice, fun, light torture session. And then a snack. We did. We did. I'm going to text Jane and say, I'm going to Elysium. She just texts back, party. Do you want to come with? Got a consultation, but if it finishes in early, then I'll show up. But, uh, drinks are on you. Fantastic. Then I'm going to go to Elysium, and I'm, I'm going to walk there because they're going to take time, and I'm going to feel the street out on the way to Elysium. So you're walking there. I decided to walk there. Mm -hmm. So you take a long walk to Elysium. It's much further down the bay than where you're docked currently. And you do get this kind of staticky feeling through the network as you walk through town. There's something in the air. It's not quite as, let's say, confusing as during the whole events leading up to the blood moon where everyone was kind of confused and tense and on edge and the network was chaotic and all over the place, especially with all the influence of the tainted heroin that some had been feeding on. But the air definitely feels different. The network is a lot more quiet very quiet for the network. Almost like the other Malkavians are either keeping themselves to themselves or they're shielding, blocking off pieces. It's very strange. It's not necessarily a feeling you like because you feel kind of disconnected. Rom does hate feeling disconnected. Rom is a creature of community, but if everyone else is laying low and locking people off, then Rom is going to do the same. Throw up some mental wards and some invisible brick walls just to stay safe. So you put up some walls and I'd like you to give me a wits awareness roll. I'm sure Rom is very good at both of those things. Here's the deal. I've rolled a 1, a 6, a 10, 
and another one, but it's but it's a bad one. You didn't roll a one on your hunger die, so that's fine. You got two successes, so that's okay. Not the best, but it's okay. So you put up your walls, and as you do, you kind of get this feeling someone is aware of you. It's almost like when you're when you were a human and you were walking home in the dark and sometimes you'd feel someone maybe watching you from a side alley sizing you up as a target and then most of the time deciding to leave you alone but it's it's kind of that feeling raising the hairs on the back of your neck okay in that case i want to try to sense if there's anybody in 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 near me if there is anybody physically close i can feel them mentally close but i want to see i want try to sense anybody that might be following me so can i use heightened senses for that i think so those are what they're there for make it easier for you to pick up on things so with your heightened senses activated as you're just sort of looking around without physically looking because you don't want to alert anyone that they might that you might know that they're there there is someone in a building to your right you can feel it there's someone standing at a window and it's another vampire you don't know who you don't know why but you feel that kind of sense rolling off of them. And then as soon as you sort of ping their location, they're gone. Sneaky bastards. Yes. <laughs> okay. So they're vampire, not human. So possibly not hunters. You know what? Rom wants to Rom wants to chase this down. Maybe he'll miss his date with Jane, but I'm I'm gonna try to get into the building and I'm gonna try to sense out where this person is. I wanna I want I'm I don't like being watched. I'm taking control of this situation. I'm going to I'm going to follow this person. I'm gonna try to find them. Because Rom going off on his own doing things is always going to work out so very well. Maybe you know, now you're just making me go, maybe I should tell Jane. <laughs> Yeah, nobody knows where you are. You're in an unfamiliar street. You're being watched by someone and you're just going to go off chasing them with nobody knowing what's going on. That's going to work out great for you. But it's also very in character. It is very in character. Also, as your storyteller, I will remind you, you've only got a few hours till sunrise. So whatever chasing you're going to do, you're not going to have a lot of time to do it in. Well... Then yeah, I'm just gonna see if I can get an immediate if I can if I if I enter this building and I run up flights of stairs, if I feel it out, has this person been completely gone? I'm I'm moving quickly. I'm moving not okay. inhumanly quickly, but I am I, I want an answer. Okay. So you turn towards this building and fairly heedlessly, because that is you, go up to the door and it's an apartment building. One of those high-rises, older, looks like it hasn't been updated probably in about 
80 years, but it's about six stories and there's no doorman or anything. It's not that kind of place, but you can try to pick the lock if you want to get into the main building or are you just going to climb up outside the building and potentially get shot? What's the kind of lock? And we're talking about that lock to the outside of the building? Yes. It's one. It's an apartment building. You need to have a key to get in the main door. You don't need to have a key to get in the main door. You need a key to get in the main door and not look suspicious. <laughs> so what are you doing? It's pretty late at night, right? It's an older building, so it's not alarmed. Okay, are you breaking and entering? I'm breaking and entering. Oh my god. Okay. I'm going to use enough vampiric strength to just force the door open. Okay, give me strength larceny. Strength larceny? These aren't skills that I just have. You're the one who's using them, so you have two in strength and none in larceny, so good luck. That is not a good roll. That is that is a one and a two. God, I need to do a push-up. I don't think that will help, but okay. So you try to break open the door and you it's reinforced or something. Maybe there's bar behind it or maybe it's one of those super reinforced doors because of all the crime in this part of town. Uh, and that maybe... Maybe they were specifically trying to prevent people from breaking and entering into this apartment building. But or maybe twinks just make terrible detectives. There is also that. So you're trying to break into this door. And you're f- because you rolled a one, I'm going to do this. You're so focused on it that and you've got your walls up in the network <clears throat> that it's a bit of a surprise to you when you hear a hello, Rom, in your ear. What what kind of hello, every- Rom? And then everything kind of goes black. Ah, uh, terrible so, meanwhile, As your brain kind of just sends out massive static and everything moves. So uh, let's have a look in at Elysium. So Marcus, you arrive at Elysium around the same time as one Sylvester finally has found clothes, question mark. One pair of low-rise jeans. Oh, wow. Did you get some new pants? Uh, yeah. They're a bit of a tight fit, but you know, they were... I do... uh, look, I buried these in a plastic bag in the park back in... And he's, he's just staring. He's like, I don't remember when. But uh, I did find the tree I buried them under. And uh, yeah, look, I had to get rid of my old clothes. Uh, th- those hunters happened and uh, happened. I don't need to worry about that anymore. Okay. Oh, good. Okay. Well, uh, best of luck. Hopefully uh, you're feeling okay after dealing with him. <laughs> he looks down at his hand and he's like, I feel great. I feel fantastic actually and he just smiles that really wide (laughs) predator smile of actually that was totally fucking worth it I have no regrets (laughs) ah yes a smile I know well so uh yeah I'll uh I'll head to the bar and then uh scope the place and see who's here 
You head over to the bar, Sylvester. You see Alex sitting in a corner, looking aloof and bored, as per usual. Yeah, I go straight over to them, and I'm just—I just hold up my broken hand in apology, and I'm like, "I'm very sorry." Yeah, the fingers are kind of flopping. Yeah, and they're all at weird angles now. And he's just like, "I'm very sorry." Um, I hope this makes up for keeping wasting your time, but I uh, things got a bit messy. Sorry about that. He just <laughs> does the Riker sit down across from them, which is. I don't think Alex could have any more disdain for him right now. Like, it's all over their face. He's just like, yeah, sorry about that. And he, you just see him, like, trying to realign the brakes in his fingers. He's like, now, you had a proposition for me, yeah, bud? Well, remember, we had a conversation and there was some information that you wanted. Or some things we talked about. Yep. We mentioned a few things. Okay. Specifically things well, that weren't in our mutual interest. As well as mutual interest. Yes. Correct. The one I'm still working on. But I did, however, take a visit to go see Dawn. Who is a Ventru. But not a terrible one. I know. I know. But it's about as good as you're going to get. You take what you get with the Ventru. If they're halfway reasonable, then that's good enough. So, we made a deal so that uh, the Ventru, the rest of the Ventru, well, the rest of the Ventru that matter don't get their panties in a twist. Um, she said, you have free reign to get rid of Curtis. However, the childer, she wants to take care of herself. Oh, something personal. I get it. All right, deal. Uh, I will take care of this Curtis guy. And you uh, get me what you can about, our, about that person I mentioned. Yeah, our mutual... Well... My go-between has been a little busy. I may not see her till tomorrow, mm -hmm. um, but I will ask. He just stands up and he's just like, that's perfect. I, uh, do you want me to do this a specific way or do you want me to just do it? Whatever makes you happy. Oh, <laughs> uh, you're too good to me, bud. All right. I'll get back to you when this is fixed. Here, um, here's the information, actually, that I have on the building he's staying at and the security when he comes and goes, everything I have. Oh, you're the best. Oh, this is... And he's just flicking through the papers and he's like, oh, this is... He's like, this is actually really good intel. Oh, fuck, there's a reason you're, <laughs> you're so... Pop, skills are in demand. Oh, this is... This is everything that I could want. This is... Mixed Giovanni... If, Mix Giovanni, if you ever need a favor like this again and you provide these tools to do that favor, but you got to hit me up because this is, this is, oh, this is way better than some of the stuff I've been given. I'm going to go take care of this uh, tomorrow, but leave it with me. You might want to get those fixed as Alex points at your hand. They'll be better when I wake up. Okay. Always Otherwise, I, I, I know someone. She'd be more than happy to 
fix them and give you some extras. He looks at you and squints and he's like, I mean, extras seems a bit superfluous. Depends what you're doing. Look, whatever you're into, but I don't, I don't particularly know. But if you get find someone that could fix my leg, that would be great. What's wrong with your leg? Oh, <laughs> he, he whips his leg up, his left leg up on the chair, and hikes it up over the the jeans, up over the boot, so sh- they can see the um the prosthetic from the knee down. He's just like, yeah, lost it back in uh back in France. You you do know we know people that like do this kind of thing. I don't know what the payment structure is like. Uh, see, that's the thing. There's always a price. Well, I mean, it's not like you're great at making friends. <laughs> and he, he looks a little bit hurt. To be fair, bud, find me a vampire that is. And Alex, like, puts their arms out, like, you know, like Loki, like, ta-da. I've just been given wonderful intel from this person. I'm not going to, uh... I'm not gonna push push this. I'm just like, oh, well, look, however you however you want to handle it, that's uh, that's on you. I uh, I appreciate that. I'm gonna get some blood and then I'm gonna beat feet. I'm gonna find somewhere new to sleep. That's gonna be awkward. He like puts you know puts the folder under his right arm again, and he's just like, which now has a phone <laughs> and a folder under it. By the way, uh, is your sleeping place safe? These hunters seem to have a lot of folks pinned down. If they're looking for vampires in the park, that means they're probably looking for specific gangrel rather than... Because not all of us do the whole sleeping in the ground thing. So just, I'd advise you to take the time, double check your security. Well, I have good security and I have more than one place. Oh, well then, nothing to worry about. I'll be back here in... Won't lie to you. Gonna try and take care of this tomorrow. I'll be back here in two days. See you then. All right. Happy hunting. It always is. So Sylvester saunters out, cutting quite the figure in his low-rise jeans with his broken hand. There's a few vampires who give you strange looks, Sylvester, but it's hardly the weirdest thing they've seen in Elysium, so... Pretty sure Elysium is like still not the weirdest thing in San Francisco. So, you know, I'm, I'm pretty not. okay here, I think. It isn't. So you go to find something to eat so you can hopefully speed up the healing on your broken hand before you go hunting a specific mm-hmm. ventru, which, you know, you've decided to do without talking to Marcus or anyone else, including Mariam. Who's going to know it was me? Oh, I have no idea. I'm sure they'll figure it out. <laughs> I'm sure. <laughs> Who's crazy enough to... <laughs> Slaughter of Ventru in hand-to-hand combat. If that's how that goes. Who knows? Might not. (laughs) Who knows? You saunter away to find some food, Sylvester, and Marcus, you're standing at the bar. Sebastian has come up and personally poured you a drink. I know it's not really your thing, darling, but uh, for sake of appearances. Certainly. You'll understand if I don't actually drink, of course. Of course. You've been around long enough. We understand. Yeah, I should. Th- I should think so. Uh, your friend Giovanni's here, and he just sort of wiggles his fingers in the direction of Alex's table in the corner. Mm, I would expect no less. This has become uh, again quite the hub of uh, information and uh, vampiric frivolity. 
So thank Kane. It was quite a dearth of gossip for a while there. Hmm. Well, don't thank him yet. He started an awful lot of trouble after all. Yes. Well, that seems to be mostly over. One can hope anyway. There does seem to be a rather unfortunate problem with the mortals. We'll just say uh, specific ones who are continuing to poke and pry into our business. Yes, I have heard we have rather a hunting situation Mm. in town. But uh, he points towards a small table of Tremere. You see Michael Dean sitting at the table holding court, so to speak. He says... I did pull a few strings and get some warnings put up. I doubt they'll even notice we're here. Oh, well, that's... that's wonderful. It takes quite a lot of power, you know, but I've been here long enough. I have quite the capital. Yeah, as any Keeper of Elysium should. Hmm. He smiles wryly. Yes, well, if we lose Elysium, we lose everything. Hmm. Kindred society falls apart. Well, I'm going to go speak with, uh, The talk of the town. I'll be back. Don't take too long, darling. He blows you a kiss. (laughs) I shake my head and walk towards uh, the table which holds one Alex Giovanni. Marcus. Alex. How's how's the night faring for you? Tedious. Smells like gangrel here. Indeed. He came in with no shirt. Oh, no. I, I saw I saw, I can only imagine the, um, I sort of glanced down at that booth where Sylvester was sitting. I can only imagine the things that were left behind. Uh, I'm going to be taking care of a couple of things in the next few days. Hopefully we'll ease a little stress in our lives collectively, of course. With the situation with the child, are you aware of any sort of decision that Monica may have made about what's going to be done with Annalise? I think she was trying to fix her. And since she's still alive now, because I received a text, maybe it worked. She didn't tell me. Hmm. I'm going to be uh, probably speaking with her tomorrow. I'll be very interested to see if the fix worked. I don't know how that works. Neither do I. There's a lot we don't know about them. And if it does, it kind of gives me a little hope. Hope? Well, for others that have uh, have need of being fixed. Hmm. Hope's a good thing to have. It's in short supply. We agree on that. As far as the uh, additional issue as far as hunters go. Uh, I think there's a few players in this that some folks aren't aware of. There may be some double dealing going on still. Really? Yeah, I I have some information that could be useful in the right hands. Okay. I don't think Clan Venture's hands are clean in this regard anymore. Okay. Not surprised. You do know that we kind of have an ally in one particular venture, right? I understand that there are divisions in the clan, but I would 
uh, ask you to define first who you mean by we. Anybody who wants a venture that's easier to deal with. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Yeah, clearly, uh, you know, the tech bro that they put in charge is not the best for many of us. No, but they don't want them either. Oh, well, that is at least fortuitous for us, provided that they're willing to act on it. Oh, they are. Interesting. Interesting. All right. I, uh, I lean in just a little bit and say we probably have a handful of hunters left. That's still more than I would have thought. Which is why I'm telling you. I appreciate that. Some of them, at least one of them, is likely actually powerful. Yes, the uh, woman with the long, dark hair. Mm-hmm. She's trouble. I think she's the only one that actually is one. I think the rest are cannon fodder, a distraction. I mean, that's the way I would do it anyways. We're going to continue to root out the ones who are not. See what kind of mistakes the one who is makes. Indeed. To draw her out. Yep. I tap on the um, <laughs> the backrest of the booth or the chair that is there and say, uh, enjoy the rest of your night. Let me know if I need to know anything and I'll continue to do the same. Oh, you m might want to know that uh, there will be a death tomorrow but it won't be anybody we'll miss. The people I would miss is a fairly short list. Exactly. This one, you might even throw a party and have cake. Oh, cake. I do miss cake. So we'll leave uh, Marcus making the rounds at Elysium, picking up whatever gossip he does for the rest of the evening and change cameras over to Monica. Monica, you feel a little bit better now that you fed. Annalise has eaten. And Chase has left. You don't know where he's gone, but he's not much in the habit of telling you where he goes anyway. And she's not in the habit of asking questions. No, funny that. And Annalise tugs on your hand as you're just sort of staring out the window and she leans in and says, can we go out? Mm, it's so funny you said that. I was just thinking about what going out means for you. I, I'm not going to do what your mother did to you. I'm not going to hide you away or lock you away in some basement or closet and not let you see or explore or touch or play with the world. But, Annalise, there are hunters in town. And although I don't think you're going to be high on their priority list anymore... A lot of the kindred in the Bay Area are still not happy with you. It's just you're going to be facing dangers on multiple fronts that I can't protect you from. But I'm not going to lock you in a basement. I'm not going to do that to you. If you want to go out, yeah, we can go out. You can go out. I'm not going to leash you. I just want to see if it worked. Yeah, you deserve that, don't you? She stares up at you with those big blue eyes. I want a puppy. Wow, we're escalating to pets already. Wow. Okay. Um, 
Do you know what type of puppy you want? Well, I have to make sure they'll come near me first. That's why I want to go outside. I know, but you've obviously thought about this before. What type of puppy would you like? Corgi. You would. You would be a corgi girl. Um, hey, go grab my backpack. It's the charcoal one in the corner, please. She looks at you a bit quizzically, but she goes and picks up the backpack and hands it to you. And Monica, who can stand up a little bit better, but she still winces, uh, almost like if something on the inside of her ribs is pulling inward um, on her. And she's going to unzip the backpack. Okay, close your eyes. She looks a bit suspicious. That's not usually a good thing for us. And Monica is going to say, please, in German. She immediately closes her eyes, almost like it's a programmed response. And Monica is going to pull out this tissue paper wrapped box and just put it into her hands. Don't, don't drop it. I had to fly a ghoul all the way to Portland to get that and just don't drop it. But there. She takes it in, in one hand and she carefully sets Annika the doll down with the other hand so she can hold it in both hands now. I never got a present before. Except food, but that doesn't really count. No, I don't think that counts at all. It's interesting for someone who's never received a present before, you're already asking for a corgi. It's so cute, though. I saw it on TV once. Yeah, we'll see if we can find a reputable... Wait, no, I am not agreeing to a dog. Start here. Start here. (laughs) And we'll go from there. Just start here. So she starts unwrapping the box looking very curious but she, she's looks like she wants to do that eight-year-old thing of just kind of ripping it apart but she's older and more dignified in some ways even if she isn't in others and so she slowly unwraps it she does the thing that your grandmother would do where she carefully untapes every piece so as not to rip it as if going to reuse mm, it later yep yeah, that's actually me on most gifts too funny so what does she find in the in the package when she unwraps it? It is a mint condition original whatever the make and model of that doll that she's been carrying around for the last X amount of hundreds of years. So this is a very special doll. Porcelain wasn't in a whole lot of use back when Annalise was a child. Her father must have brought it from China where they originally created porcelain and started making dolls with it not european style but very old and she just looks at it and she looks up at you and she looks back down at it and she says where did you find that mama tried to find one to fix annika but we couldn't there was a collector in portland that had it i actually started looking the night you ambushed me in the parking lot her brow furrows I tried to eat you and you went looking for a doll? Yeah, so do you like her? Because <laughs> Monica knows how dumb that sounds too. She looks a little confused, but then she hugs it and she says, it looks just like when Papa brought me Annika. And she looks a little sad, but being eight, that passes fairly quickly. Yeah, and I think when she makes that uh, mention of, like, it looks like the Annika that Papa gave me, that memory springs up somewhere between where her, like, liver would be. And Mm -hmm. Monica winces for a moment because she has to actually suppress back that memory and that feeling, being that Annalise is still hanging on the inside of her. Mm -hmm. 
And yeah. You feel almost this this gut punch, and you almost feel like you're looking through her eyes again. And you have this memory of Mama kneeling down next to you and holding your hands and saying, "Papa's not coming home." And it just it just hits you. I think that's going to put Monica back into her seat. She was probably standing at that point, but that's probably just going to wheel her right back into the chair. Oh, this is going to take some time to get used to. What, the dolls? I know they freak some people out. Having more than one is probably creepier, but you know what would make you feel better? A dog. We're still on the corgi. Do you have a name picked out already? How far along are you? Cheddar. Cheddar, it would be. Hum... I don't even know what that tastes like, but I've heard it's a good name for a dog. It's cute. And Cheddar's a good cheese. Um, She's going to look down at her watch and realizing she doesn't have a lot of time before the sun rises. Um, Okay, you want to try all this out? And I think I think I deserve that too. Yeah, let's go out, but we can't stay out long, okay? Okay. And she looks between the two Annikas as if she can't decide. She's like, I can't carry both. And she pats the broken doll on the head and says, I'll come back for you. And she carries the new one under her arm. Monica is going to eye that broken doll. And she's wondering right now. It's like, I bet I could get that encased in glass. Could I get that encased? Resin? Glass. No, stop. Stop, stop, stop. You're not keeping this child. But she's already grabbing at her hand and, you know, getting ready to walk her outside. So you take her hand and you walk her outside and Annalise kind of stops as she gets out the door and she looks down at her shoes. She says, there's a spider on my shoe. Monica's going to look down to see if she can see the spider too. There is a very small spider crawling over her shoe. And Annalise looks up at you and she gives you this wide, bright child's smile like she had on on that image of the beach. Yeah. I think it worked. I can have a dog. If I if spiders like me, dogs will like me. I think everyone will like you now. Monica's going to hug her and kiss her on the forehead. Wow. And she looks up at you and with a very serious look on her face. Thank you. I owe you. I don't trade in that type of currency. You don't owe me anything. Thank you. We, we did this together. But we always do favors. Family doesn't trade in favors, honey. We just do what needs to be done. That's not what Mama said. Okay, but Mama was a bad person, so maybe we should not do things the way Mama did them when I come to think of it. And then she clutches your hand tightly and you're hit again with a memory only this time it's back to when you pulled her into that warehouse that space of your own memories and you're hit with her awareness of what had happened ouch that not just your recollection of hiding there with the bodies and the fear but her understanding of it when you pulled her into that memory with you and that childlike fear and terror and sudden understanding of a world that she was never exposed to before. 
I think that's going to be one of the ones that takes like just the strength out of her knees. So she's probably going to wind up falling down onto her hips, onto the ground. And I think she's just going to have to try to breathe her way through this particular memory. It probably looks like she's in labor right now with the effort that it's taking and the guilt that she's riding through. She thought she was doing well with this particular memory recall, but she didn't, Annalise didn't. And the most Monica can think in this moment was Chase was right. I wasn't ready. Annalise looks at you and she doesn't quite understand, right? You took that. And Monica would never tell her. You you took those emotions. You took that kind of heaviness from her when things went wrong. And she's just looking at you like, are you still, are you still tired? I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, just a bit. I'll be better tomorrow. Here, sit down with me. Okay. And she sits down and she holds the doll and she looks up at the sky. It's getting fairly close to time when you'll need to go to bed. But she picks up the spider that's crawling across her shoe and she lets it crawl around her hand and she just kind of looks at it and lets it crawl all over her. And she smiles and then she looks at you and says, I can make you feel better for a little bit. Well, Annalise is uh, playing spiders like me now. Uh, Monica would have pulled out her phone and just hit Google very quickly and just typed in Corgi and gone to the images page and was getting ready just to hand her the phone. Uh, I think as she's extending the hand over to Annalise where she can just look at Corgi dog pictures. Um, what do you mean? I might be eight, but I still know things. I learned a lot of stuff. I can make your mind feel a little better. Mm. Let's see how I feel tomorrow, and then we can discuss further, okay? Okay. And she looks at the pictures of the corgis and just starts getting really excited. Like that childlike kind of emotion that you haven't seen from her before which is a good sign. Oh, it's an amazing sign. As she she hands you back the phone and points to one, you get a little text notification over the pictures from Malarkey, and it just says, you up? And that is where we will end this episode. So thank you all for joining us for this interesting evening of events in San Francisco. We'll see what happens with our coterie and the hunters and one Pastor Fred Easton next time. Thank you and good night.